Max Verstappen wins again at his home Dutch Grand Prix after a well-timed safety car ruins Lewis Hamilton's bold victory gamble. This is the F1 Strategy Report. My name's Michael Laminato and this is Round 15, the Dutch Grand Prix. Powered by LeaveCal. Keep track of employee leave and make resource planning easy. Search LeaveCal in the Zero App Store. For the first time in a long time, Max Verstappen's victory didn't seem assured. Mercedes had turned up in the Netherlands with a car capable of fighting for pole and the win, and Lewis Hamilton was determined to make it count. Mercedes gambled early on a one-stop strategy while Red Bull Racing stuck with two, and two-thirds of the way through the race, we were set for a thrilling conclusion, with Verstappen needing to pass both silver cars on track to win the race. But the Grand Prix was undone by a virtual safety car caused by the unusual retirement of Yugi Tsunoda. It gifted Verstappen a free pit stop, and a subsequent safety car period forced Mercedes into a difficult strategic decision that saw Hamilton lose the lead and drop to fourth. Russell consolidated with second place, but a golden victory chance had slipped through Mercedes' fingers. Was there anything Mercedes could have done to win the Dutch Grand Prix? To help unpack the race, I'm joined by ESPN F1 reporter Nate Saunders. Nate, how are you doing? Hey, man, I'm good. How about yourself? I'm good. Oh, we got a good race. I'm yeah. Pleased. And we got a race where the main talking point wasn't Ferrari for a change, <laughs> which is pretty great, pretty rare in uh, 2022. Rare. Yes, it's been a great outcome for 2022. In fact, we'll mention them only extremely briefly later in the show, so look out for that one, and if you text the right number, you win a prize. <laughs> this weekend, the Dutch Grand Prix and what's still a new track, relatively new, only the second race we've had here. Last year's race was not the best. It is a track that's difficult to overtake on. It is a track that practice is really important on as well, just because you need that track time. You need to try and get as much confidence as you can as a driver and to understand the tyres and so on. I thought it was really interesting, the vibe at the end of Friday, though. Red Bull had quite a disrupted practice session, some problems with Max Verstappen, and that kind of set the tone to build up to what we got to on Sunday. Yeah, they never seemed kind of invincible going into the weekend at any point, did they? And after such a dominant performance at Spa, we all kind of came into this weekend thinking, oh, okay, well, <laughs> Red, yeah. Bull, Red Bull looked like they're on a different planet. But the narrative had massively kind of shifted around uh, by Friday, and we, we were even looking at it and thinking, well, maybe, you know, has, has Red Bull actually slipped, you know, to third in the packing order by mm-hmm. by, by this race? You know, may, maybe it's a very circuit-specific thing. So yeah, it was really interesting, and um, I think you're right. It is a circuit where, you know, if you, if you don't get those two hours under your belt uh, right off the bat, you, you go into Saturday and you're like, we're all over the place. So I was really impressed, actually, with how Red Bull kind of regrouped and got back on top of the weekend because, yeah, there was a glimmer of hope on the Friday for all us neutrals that, hey, maybe Max Verstappen won't win the race and we'll yes. get, you know, his points lead will, 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 go from, will go from being huge to just very big <laughs> and uh, we might get the championship a bit longer. But, um, but yeah, they, they, they kind of, they looked a little bit out of sorts, didn't they? Yes, it was really interesting to see them in, in a different context. This is something we'll bring up a little bit later on because the as Pirelli described it, the standout of the race, the hard tyre, in some sense, I guess it was. They didn't use it so much. Sergio Perez did. But I thought this was really a great glimpse into how Red Bull's going at the moment. Because Max Verstappen had disrupted Friday, had a gearbox problem, couldn't compete in FP1, they needed to use Sergio Perez's data. And what Marco said afterwards, well, we saw the data, but we just don't really... Perez is not that good. We just didn't really trust what he was giving us. And as a result, they had this real great hesitation on Sunday. And... If you ever needed a description of it being a one-driver team, I really thought that was quite explicit. Especially about a guy like Perez, who his whole career was considered as like a real master with his tyres. When he was at Force India, that was kind of his thing, wasn't it? It was like, man, Perez, he's the guy. If you want to pull off a a strategy Mm -hmm. all around making a tyre last for as long as possible, you 
you Perez is your man. So for, for, for that to be the, the, the mindset yeah. is kind of remarkable. And I don't agree with it from what I understand about Perez. But yeah, you're right. It's, yeah. it's very much when you're at Red Bull, all other opinions of you die. Yeah. And yeah. Helmut, Helmut Marco just gives you a new opinion, which is that you're rubbish and, you're, and you can't. And you're lucky to be in the same room as Max Verstappen. Absolutely spot on. The other thing about Friday practice was that, and you alluded to, a, alluded to it earlier, was that Mercedes turned up. And this was quite a mm. contrast, again, from Spa, where they were way off the pace, one of their worst weekends maybe in the last couple of months. This one was much better. And it's, in a sense, it was we probably could have predicted it because they were good in Hungary as well, right? And sort of similar track. But it feels like they're rocking up to weekends and just going, I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Is that the sense you've got as well? Because it just this was their, their best of the year, I would say. Yeah, and you're so right about Hungary and Silverstone as well. You know, and if you look at where yes. they've been strong this year, it is mm. kind of circuits where it's a little bit more twisty and mm-hmm. you know tighter, maybe. Um, but yeah, from Spa to it's almost the complete opposite of what we're saying about mm. Red Bull at, on on the Ferrari uh, yeah. on the Friday. Um, Lewis had a great quote. I think it was on Saturday after qualifying when he said that he's like this car has mood swings like a person, mm. and you don't yeah. know which side of the bed it wakes up on every morning. Yeah. He's like sometimes we turn up and it's it's just horrible to drive. Mm-hmm. I think it was last week, wasn't it? He said he can't wait to see the back of this yeah. car. You know, he, he, at the end of the year, I think he's had an affinity with a lot of the Mercedes cars of the past yeah. few years. Obviously, this one I don't think holds a special place in his heart yet. But um, it is remarkable, and I think that they the, the the thing that Mercedes have struggled with all year is they kind of n- know that their cars very up and down, mm. but I don't think they fully understand why. It's so yeah. all over the place. So you do get that sense that they're just kind of like, why is it like this? <laughs> and it was, I forget the car that Toto Wolf named a Diva. That was a few, yeah. a few iterations I ago. I say 17 or 18 maybe. Yeah, but maybe, I mean, this one is, is you know, it's, oh. it's, the, it's the spoiled youngest sibling <laughs> that's like, I'm going to out-diva everyone of my siblings so far. Yeah, absolutely. If you do get the sense if he's offered this car at the end of the year, Hamilton might just send it to the crosses. <laughs> There'll be a gap in his museum in <laughs> yeah. 10 years where there's just, this year just doesn't exist. Unless he wins a race, then he might feel yeah. differently about yeah. it. But that's, it has to be specifically that car, I imagine, as well. That's the sort of intriguing setup to this one. Ferrari also looked quite good on Friday. Uh, it didn't translate into the race, which we'll talk a little bit about later. But they, we expected this to be a Ferrari track. It didn't quite end up being that way. I think that reflects more on the way they're going at the moment. But we will get to that in just a second because I want to talk about that start of the race. Now, Mercedes, they know they don't have so many great races, really actively decided to be aggressive from the start of this race, including starting on that medium tyre, which is something we don't... Often see it's weird. Like this year, we've got that change in the rules for starting tyres, and, and as a result, everyone's meant to have free choice. But it does feel like more often than not, everyone's choosing the same tyres anyway. But signalling very early here that they were out to do something quite different. Yeah, and I think that they looked at it, and they, I think, even despite the fact, I mean, they they came out of Saturday thinking mm. we could have challenged for pole. Yeah, you know, we could have at least been on the front row, and I think that that the whole makeup of the race would have been fascinating had that been the case. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think it it was an admission that over a pure race they felt mm. okay. Red Bull's probably got pace in hand over us, so if we can do something different, if we can stop once less than them, uh, that's probably how we're going to win this race. And I think that it was great to see actually, and it kind of it, it was a reminder of last year when we had this mm. great. We obviously had the great driver battle between Hamilton and, and Verstappen. But I think one thing that got overlooked last year was it was a great strategic tussle through the season. Yeah. At every race, Mercedes and Red Bull were trying to outthink each other. And while this year Red Bull's very successfully outthought Ferrari <laughs> on numerous occasions, it went back and forth last year between mm. the two. So I was impressed at that. And putting both of them on the medium as well, I thought mm. was interesting because sometimes you hedge your bets a bit and you say, right, we'll put one on yeah. the soft, one on the, one on the mediums, and you, know, you can kind of work out which way... The, is the right way but yeah they 
they kind of committed to it straight on, which was pretty impressive. Great to raise as well that they did think they were on for pole, or Lewis Hamilton thought very specifically the front row of the well, group. We were laughing about it, weren't we? Because the, the gap between pole and second was 0.02 of a second. I think he must not have seen the time. Yeah. But when we asked him, when we asked him uh, in the mix zone after, we said, you know, was, was pole possible? He's like, I don't think pole, but, you know, probably front row. So he, he, was very, he was very, very convinced he could have got in that tiny, like, hair of a, of a, of a fraction of a second. But, um, but yeah, I think Toto Wolff himself did did say that they Lewis was up enough. Yes, that he would have been very close, um, and that's a whole different race because I think trying to clear the Ferraris early on mm. kind of you know held back the Mercedes guys as well a little bit, and um, yeah, that would have I think I mean maybe Max still would have won the race, but I think we all wanted to see Lewis and Max going into turn one yeah. together. Yes, yeah, so well, unfortunately we did, but it was all over by the time they got to the Well, yeah, we saw it once yeah. and Max was already yes. quite far ahead yeah. of him by that point. <laughs> They're just in the same camera shot, just about in the same yeah. camera shot. You raise a good point there, actually, because this was so much about race time. It's a way to think about two stops versus one. And they did take time battling those Ferrari cars through. They didn't have, especially because there were two Ferrari cars, at least in the, in the opening part of the race, you do wonder... How many, how many seconds? We should have calculated this. Uh, last, I don't need just you've raised a good point. I haven't calculated. It would have been a good one to consider, although at the end, the race unraveled anyway. Let's briefly mention Ferrari here now, though, because there was a hope that they would be contending here. Both car, well, one car in the front row, another in third, uh, Leclerc and Sainz. It became really obvious really quickly, though, that they just did not have the pace for this race, not only because they dropped back from Verstappen, but also because the Mercedes cars, as we've said, were battling them. This is the third race in a row now. They just haven't really been quick normally we talk about all the mistakes they make now it does just seem like the car is 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 not there anymore yeah it does seem like that and that's kind of worrying isn't it because Mm. there's been three circuits where we've had very different characteristics especially the last two Mm. and like you say in both of them they just didn't really have much there so it's hard to sometimes a great car can just look bad at Mm -hmm. one circuit and you say okay this 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 isn't too bad this is one one place Mm but it's very strange uh early on the first few laps i Hoped Leclerc was holding on to Verstappen, and then he just he wasn't anymore. And like you say, he dropped into that fight with the Mercs. And um, yeah, I think at a different circuit, Lewis might have got it because he was behind um, Carlos for a little bit, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And he was trying to get past. Oh, yeah. was it the other way around? I can't. I, I forget now. That the, the, the start of that race weirdly seems ages ago because yeah. of, of <laughs> how dramatic it turned out later. Um, but yeah, the Ferraris weirdly, I think, ended up helping Red Bull a little bit in that opening yeah. stint, just opening up a little bit of a gap for for Max. Uh, but yeah, quite, quite worrying. And hopefully Monza isn't the fourth race in a row where Ferrari doesn't yeah. have pace because, you know, we all want to see him do well at Monza. Yes, it seems like it's it's kind of a tie degradation problem for them, which has been in the background all year, but yeah. they've been able to manage it a lot of races. I mean, for a lot of this year, we've said they've actually had the faster car, but we can definitively say for the last month, I guess, not the case. Yeah, and I like I like the kind of novel strategy to dealing with tire deg because I, <laughs> I guess they figured if we only have three tires on the car, <laughs> that's less tire deg all round. <laughs> For Carlos Sainz. So I think maybe that's what they were trying to do with that. Quite possibly. That is what I did his race, obviously. He had yeah. a, high, a terrible time in pit lane, as most Ferraris seem to do these <laughs> yeah. days. This is a new way of doing it. it it's weird because it looked like they'd forgotten one of the tires. But then if you go back and look at the video. Yeah, the you showed me this. Yeah. Just yeah. way in the wrong place. Well, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? It's like, it's like when, I don't know, you're doing a school play back mm. when, you're, when you're young and you suddenly, you know, you're starting, like, I'm in completely the wrong part of the stage here. <laughs> and like the teachers are there, like nodding at you, like, go over there. It's crazy. I've, I've not seen that before in no. an F1 pit stop. It, may, it, it probably has happened, but I've mm. never seen, because he was kind of like, it wasn't just in the wrong place, but he was kind of stood between. Yeah. The, the guys on the front right 
mm-hmm. kind of, and you could see he's like there, and he's like, "What do I, what do I do yeah. here?" So yeah, that's it was clearly a late call made, but um, mm. they practice those over and over again. Those late yes. calls, don't they? We see them on yeah. Thursdays and Fridays, you know, running out of the running out of the garage, doing things super fast, and um, you know, again, we, we this is kind of a theme of the season, but Red Bull and Mercedes, Red Bull especially, mm. but Mercedes in this race did did well with the stops as well. They're really well oiled pit stop machines, so for that to happen mm. to Ferrari is kind of a bit concerning. Um, I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's fine. Matib and Otto will say it's just. It's, you know, it's just showing them being risky or them taking some chances or something. But um, yeah, strange. It is. It's unfortunate. They also got an unsafe release later on. Standard sort of pit stop kind of thing. I joked to you, didn't I? I think Carlos Sainz tried to tick off every possible penalty <laughs> in the race that he could get: time penalty, pit lane infractions, unsafe release. Like yes. they were trying to do it all with him today. Yes. In, in some respects, they were lenient for some of them. They didn't give him all of the ones he maybe well have deserved. He even tried to overtake under yellow flags. Like, yes, yeah, do. exactly. Yeah. I mean, just brilliant. I think he thought, well, I might as well just go for Brooke. Let's make this one for the history books. <laughs> <laughs> Tragically, just another standard Ferrari race. Now, the middle of the race was when we could really see how these mm. times were playing out, wasn't it? Verstappen had to make his first stop onto the mediums. Uh, Russell and Hamilton ran long, switched to this hard tyre that Red Bull didn't expect to be quick. Yes. And that was sort of the underpinning of this middle part of the race where suddenly... The Mercedes had a lot more pace than we just expected. More pace than they even showed in that first stint. Were able to to, to move into Verstappen's pit stop window. Yeah, and that was key, wasn't it, for the whole for how the race would have played out without yes. the safety cars that we got later. Was this was that kind of about seventeen, eighteen seconds of a pit stop window, and Mercedes, like you say, were just in it. And Christian Horner said that later that they were surprised that the hard tire was mm. that good. And it's funny, isn't it? Because again, in the race, they put Perez, Red Bull put Perez yes, on that again yeah. as like, all right, let's see, let's see how this does. Mm. Again, the, the the great sacrificial lamb that that, <laughs> that, that you turn any of a teammate yes. of a stab it into. Um, and yeah, that again. And I think what made it even more powerful for Mercedes as a strategy was, as we said, with them both starting on both mm-hmm. both the same strategy, both cars pretty much on the same strategy. So he had two cars in very strong positions. And it looked like, you know, if, if Red Bull delayed it too long, he'd have to get past two cars rather than one. Yeah. And I think in, in terms of pace, he probably could have done that. It's always more difficult to get past two. You've got to mm. you know, use up your tyres, get them past one. You know, the, you know, the other guy can defend a little bit and the guy out in front has a bit more, bit more time to kind of, you know, mm. save his tyres and, 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 and work, work things out like that. So yeah, it was really, it was really kind of um, shaping up to be a really fascinating duel there purely because of the Mercedes going onto the hearts, I think. Yeah, and as you sort of said, we've said a couple of times, both drivers on there really show how committed this team was. It was not a hedging kind of bets. It was not, well, we'll guarantee a podium and then maybe a win, although mm. we can make that argument a little bit later on maybe because that does seem to be how they ended up doing this race. But we know we didn't get there, and we don't know exactly how Verstappen would have played that last stint because, as you said, Perez used those hard tyres as a bit of a guinea pig. It seemed fairly blatant, and we know that's the way Red Bull does it. And Verstappen still seemed kind of unsold on them. He did switch onto them eventually behind the VSC, but there was the idea that maybe he'd actually try and go for the softs on the last stint, which would have required him to go further and drop further back. Probably would have had more pace. But as you say, and especially around Zandvoort, where passing is hard, there was no guarantee. And I can't help but wonder, and there were specters of, uh, I know we don't like to raise it, but last year's Abu Dhabi race in the way that Hamilton responded to that final safety car restart. But you just can't help but wonder what happens when these two guys get together on a track because there's yeah. always going to be this baggage around that now. I think you're right. And um, I mean, I asked Lewis that on Sunday. You know, I said, you know, you, you must be relishing actually fighting Max wheel to wheel. Because I said the whole race felt like it was building because it did feel like that. Yeah. It was like, oh, this is this. We're going to get it again. And it just it, the rug was pulled from out from under it. But yeah, I, I especially at Zanvoort as well, I think mm. that the prospect for Lewis of him beating Max in front of a yeah, you know, Orange Army w- yes. was was huge for him. So I think if he'd had the tires, 
even remotely to fight him. Mm. And he's, we saw last year, one of the reasons they, they collided so much was Lewis, basically his mindset stopped being, I'm going to give this guy mm. room. I'm going to let him barge me around. He's like, no, actually I'm going to stand up for myself a bit on track. Mm-hmm. And it's been a while since he's done that. Obviously he had the thing with Alonso like last race, but yep. I think that ultimately when it comes to Max, I think he races very differently, mm-hmm. um, which is why that made last year so good. Cause a lot of people would have just been, you know, Silverstone, yeah. Lewis would have backed out and said, go on then, yeah, off off you go. And he didn't. He put his, mm-hmm. you know, he kept his car in. So yeah, it would have been fascinating because, you know, we saw Lewis and Lewis and Perez really close fighting there. Yes. Very respectful, yeah. but very, very, very right on the line. If that Red Bull had been Max, mm. I wonder how that fight had gone. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. It it, it would, it, it was a whole different prospect. And that's why having two Mercedeses there would have been mm. interesting because Russell himself is no slouch. We saw that a few races ago. In Hungary, you know him battling against yeah. against um, against Max. So um, yeah, it would have been really fascinating. But we're going to get it. I, I'm 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 holding hope that we do see Max Lewis again. Um, it's like a you know it's like a bad comeback, for, yeah. you know, <laughs> or like a bad spin-off movie to a really popular <laughs> franchise. It might just be terrible. Yeah, <laughs> it might be. not be what we remember, or it might be better. We yeah. don't know. You never do know. The virtual safety car undid this race, though. It was all building towards that, as you said. The virtual safety car took a little while to arrive for Yuki Tsunoda, though. It was not clear at the time what was going on. It's still sort of not clear now, to be honest, what no. was going on with that car. No, not at all. And it's 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 odd, isn't it? And you know, a lot of people have jumped to the conspiracy mm. angle. Um, you know, this idea that Helmut Marco's got a button that just <laughs> folds part of the tor- uh, the Alpha Tower in on itself somehow. <laughs> it was strange, and you know, the, the bit with the the belts as well was yes. weird. You know, them all leaning in because mm. which obviously Yuki got reprimanded for later mm. for loosening his his seat belts. Um, so I don't know. And Toto Wolf interestingly said, you know, if that had been a championship decider, we would have asked them to look into it just mm. because of it being very strange. So yeah, difficult one to talk about without yes. going down, you know, opening up a conspiracy rabbit hole. But it was it was strange generally as well because of him stopping, starting again, yes, slowly coming around the circuit, and then them sending him out again. And there seemed to be confusion about where he should stop. Mm. You know, I'm not sure whether he stopped in you know the safest place, but at Zandvoort as well. I don't think. This is one thing with tracks with big runoff areas. Mm. You can just drive straight on at a corner yeah, and they can quickly put you behind the fence. Zandvoort, you don't have so many mm. places to do that. So I saw some people criticizing Sonoda and, and Alpha Tauri for not parking in a safer place, but I don't know where a safer place would have been. Yeah. If you parked a bit further down, there's a giant crane above mm. the circuit there at the bottom of that kind of crest of that hill. But even then, I think when that's operational, you've got to put VSC out anyway. So yeah. I don't think there's anywhere he could have gone safer, but I'm sure people will disagree with me and you know, <laughs> and say that he could have pulled up. And he, maybe they're right, but I, I, off the top of my head, thinking about the circuit, I don't know where he could no. have done it that wouldn't have done a, a VSC, given the fact he was likely going to stop right next to the circuit. Yes, and I think it was a, at least close to a Marshall post in the end anyway. It was right by yeah. one of those openings, so yes. the car actually was removed quite quickly, but as soon as you stop in that position, you have to put the VSC yes. out. So As soon as any Marshalls come onto the track, there has to be some kind of caution. Yeah, It's more interesting, just that, that, as you sort of touched on there, that fact that he's gone out twice, he stopped twice on track. Seems mm. like it's probably some kind of diff issue. You talked about the... Because yeah. originally he was saying that he thought a tyre was not on correctly. It was just after a pit stop. Uh, and then they changed the tyres and wasn't a tyre problem and felt it again. He was talking about the rear wheels um, spinning differently, which sort of sounds like a diff problem. But Yeah, because he said he was kind of drifting, didn't he, on, yeah. on the straights almost, which, yeah. was, which was strange. And um, so he must have... I mean, it must have just cropped up you know, mm. in the middle of that stint that he was on. So what's strange. And I think that that's actually going to be quite a big question for AlphaTauri 
going to Monza. Yeah. People, you know, usually when a car retires, the following week, there's kind of a cursory, like, oh, do you know what happened last week? Yes. But I think people want to dig into it a bit more just because there's that kind yeah. of Alpha Tauri stopping kind of the situation, how it played out, ends up mm-hmm. helping the senior team. Which is um, for any, I mean, I know, I know friends of mine who are Mercedes fans and Red Bull fans, and mm-hmm. all of them were like, "Yeah, <laughs> it's a bit strange." You know, yeah. sometimes things can be strange coincidentally, but yeah, it was uh, definitely a, an odd one. I do like the long-running idea that Helmut Marco has a variety of buttons for yeah. different uh, situations. And just to just to put a cap on that, I mean, we spoke about it briefly, didn't we, coming back mm-hmm. from the circuit yesterday? But you know, the idea that there's people at AlphaTauri who'd be complicit in something like yes. that. Is kind of nonsense when you remember these guys are just ordinary mechanics. Mm. You know, they're working for bonuses the same as you work for bonuses when yes. you know you've got a job. So it might be that it might be that Red Bull wanted something to yeah. happen in the race and their prayers were answered. But yes. for me, anyway, I, I just don't see. I think it was very unfortunate, and mm. um, and for for Sonoda as well. Yeah, he's a driver who needs some good results at the moment. I don't think he's under pressure as such in terms of his immediate future mm-hmm. but you know with with gasly maybe on his way out i think he needs to prove to alpha tari mm-hmm. that you know he's a strong team leader so not finishing that race he had a pretty good weekend up to that point i don't mm-hmm. think it's ideal for him and that team hates not finishing you know i know some guys there yes. we, we, what we both know know yes. josh cruz give him a give him <laughs> a, um, a shout out um and a few other guys so yeah you know i i think it's always worth just mentioning that mm-hmm. there's those rumors out there and they're they're not yeah. True. Also, imagine how petty you'd have to be for Max to come in with a ninety whatever point lead and be like, "It needs to be bigger." Let's uh, let's have a massive gamble on a possible cheating yeah. scenario just to do that. And also, also, it's it's assuming that Red Bull had somehow an incredible knowledge of of what the the state of the race was going to be at lap whatever it yeah. was, lap 40, mm-hmm. 40 Was this this was forty, wasn't it? Or forty? Uh, the VSC was around forty seven. I think forty seven. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um. So it's it's this kind of this knowledge that they're mm-hmm. like, right, we're going to need. This, yeah. this exact moment, you know, to play out. Very unfortunate. And, um, you know, they tried to send him out again. They tried to complete the race and it didn't work. So. Mm. Now, it gave Max Verstappen a really cheap stop. That's the yeah. reason that there's this conspiracy. He meant he kept track position. Both Mercedes drivers, though, also stopped because obviously with our track position and with a car that had older tyres, there was no winning anyway. They went onto the mediums, Verstappen onto the hards. Really brief period of time when it looked like they were gaining there and they might have been able to give us that close finish. I wonder whether in retrospect they thought gambling on a really long stint on soft would have been worthwhile here. Yeah, we were talking about that, weren't we, a little mm. bit. We thought about that. And I think ultimately, you touched on it before, I think track position for Max would have been key mm. in that position. I think even if the Mercedes had been a bit quicker in on that straight line, you know, we, like we mentioned before, them mm. trying to not being able to get past the Ferraris, I think it might have set up a really close finish. Mm. Just not sure whether Lewis would have had enough to, to yeah. get there. So. It did give him a, a cheap, a cheap stop, a kind of a get out of jail free stop almost. Not, yeah. not they were in, but it, you know, it was like a, it was like a free move really in a, in a, yes. in a game. Um, and I think Lewis's great quote was, you know, that stuffed us that that VSC, mm-hmm. and it was right because at the time it was kind of deflating in the media center. We were like, oh yeah. man, that, that has kind of taken the edge off the race a bit. But you're right, a few more laps of that, and it would have been interesting because the time was coming down. Yes. You're just never sure how much Max is holding, you know, holding of back course. his car mm-hmm. in in the eventuality that that, that is the case. Yes, and not understanding those hard ties either on Max's part. Then we got the actual safety car. Yep. This was a val- yet another Valtteri Bottas. So this is conspiracy number two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Valtteri is James. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. James Val still has his yeah. inside line yeah. to, to Valtteri. 
it it would be a conspiracy if Alfa Romeo didn't just have so many engine failures late in the race. Yeah, right. Yeah. So which is you know, it's it's impossible to make a conspiracy. It's just part of the course. Well, they just know Max is going to be leading all the time. Well, so like, yes. look, if, if 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 your car just breaks down all the time, yeah. then then at some point it's going to help us, right? Eventually, one yeah. one out of twenty three races, it's going to help us. <laughs> Unfortunately, it didn't even help them here because this was. Uh, almost the, uh, controversial is not exactly the right word, but the biggest talking point of, of the Grand Prix was whether or not Mercedes made a mistake here. Yeah. They accepted track position when Max Verstappen decided he had to be on softs, not hards for the restart. He ceded track position, which already, I guess, kind of shows how confident Red Bull was in the car pace. Hamilton stayed out. Russell decided afterwards he wanted softs as well. Yeah. yeah. too many different ways to cut this one, really, aren't there? Because yeah, there it almost is. is like there was no right decision for Mercedes. Well, and the really interesting thing from, from post-race that I found was that George said he didn't feel the medium tyres were very good. He said, I don't like the feel that switched to softs. Mm-hmm. Lewis, the reason he said he didn't even have that conversation with Mercedes that George had was because he said, these tyres feel great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm in a really good, um, really good position here. So, yeah, it was, it was a strange one. Um, and... Lewis obviously was livid at how it played out, but I found that quite interesting that George, it sounded quite late. Obviously, we always get yes. brought delayed messages, don't we? But it sounded fairly late them mm-hmm. making that call with him um, based on kind of his feedback, I suppose, um, but not doing it to both. It's always tricky, isn't it, when everyone's coming in the pits like that to mm-hmm. a safety car. If you double stack, you run the risk of avoiding an unsafe release, mm-hmm. holding a driver back. But I'm pretty sure they could have got Lewis. This was the argument, wasn't it? Could they, could they have got Lewis in and out and ahead of Max, and I think they probably could have done with a quick stop. So, mm. interesting one. Um, very easy for us to sit and analyze in hindsight. These guys are making it in in real yes. time. I feel like, yeah, it it felt like the wrong decision at the time, didn't it? Mm-hmm. But alternatively, there's the, the different viewpoint that Mercedes knew it didn't have the faster car, and Toto will sort of said this afterwards, and it's not it's no secret, the Red Bull is the quicker car here, that if they really wanted to put goal in for victory, they should have left both out because then at least Russell could have absorbed some pressure from Verstappen, maybe long enough for, for Hamilton's tyres to come up to temperature and then have seen. I mean, soft versus medium with Red Bull on the quicker car, on the quicker tyre as well, was always going to be unlikely. But it sort of struck me that for the first time they hedged their bets, even if Russell instigated it wasn't the team per se, and definitely confined themselves to not winning this race. Yeah, I, I kind of, that counter-argument about, you know, them leaving both cars out mm-hmm. there, I think the ease of which Max went past Lewis yeah, kind of shows why ultimately that probably would have been a bad decision because then they, I think keeping both guys out, in hindsight looking at it, you potentially run the risk of both guys not finishing on the podium, mm-hmm. which given the pace of their car would have been a bit of a disaster because they definitely deserved, you know, it was a bit of a disaster for Lewis that he finished fourth, which mm-hmm. shows you how far Mercedes how yes. quick their weekend turned around. So it's a, it's an interesting one. Uh, I'm not sure if Lewis was was managed to restart perfectly. It seemed like he mm. was a bit, you know, came out of that corner a bit slower, and Max just had him. But um, Red Bull seemed to think that they could have got with the with the soft tires. The Mercs were sitting ducks a little bit on that on that soft. So, but who knows? I mean, once. But this is the other interesting thing with having two cars there. Lewis was clearly in a great spot with those medium tires. So even if Max had taken one lap or half a lap to get past. Mm. By the time Lewis is, you know, is back up to speed with those tires, is it then harder for Max? That you know, as his soft tires are, mm-hmm. you know, moving away from that perfect performance window. So it could have happened, but um, I think afterwards Wolf said we did it because we wanted to go for the win. That was his. He said yeah. we either we either go for the win or we settle for second and third, and we yes. never want to be in a position where we settle for second and third. Mm-hmm. So why it was, you know, probably didn't play out in the way we all wanted it to go. I think from a mindset point of view, mm-hmm. 
I, I liked the decision, you know, in hindsight, looking at it, they went for it and it didn't work. And mm. I think it's that, it's that whole thing of, if you don't do it, you'll, you know, you, you, I think Wayne Gretzky said in that famous quote, he's like, you, you regret all the shots you, mm. you don't take. Yes. If you take them and they don't work, then you still regret it, but you're like, well, at least we tried it, you know, and we, yeah. we gave it a good, honest try. Um, Lewis, obviously in the car, I don't think kind of maybe saw that bigger picture mm-hmm. and he'd calmed down quite a lot, hadn't he? By the, but you know, about an hour or two later, you know, yes. he, he was like, I apologize to the team because mm-hmm. I understand what they did. I won't, I won't apologize for my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it's so fascinating because there's so many what ifs and different yeah. variables and, and, and the way the restart went down might not have been the way it went down with, a, if Lewis had just kind of nailed that final corner, maybe better. Yes. Um, but I don't know. It's it's tough. I mean, what do you, what do you think? If 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 it was you on the pit wall, mm. what would your instinct have been to do? Do you think? Yeah, it would. It, it is extremely difficult. I if they did what I I but the instinct was to leave both out, wasn't it? It wasn't until yeah. George decided they didn't he, he didn't want to start on the medium that he that he was going to come in and and make that change. And I I think Mercedes has nothing to lose really in any situation. They're not competing for the championship. They might be competing for second now that Ferrari seems to have really come off the pace. And, yeah, maybe you can argue that, but I don't think second means that much to them at the end of the day, not after winning so many championships in a row. I do wonder whether the odds were slightly more in favour of a victory had they had two cars in front. But by that same token, it would have been. We would have been talking about a Mercedes disaster had they just been absolutely eaten up by Verstappen there. And, and, you know, maybe that that really was just all there was to it. We know how much faster the Red Bull car was. Mm. It's just an unfortunate, really unfortunate, difficult timing. Yeah. And I think, yeah, absolutely. I think um, ultimately, you know, it played out very similar to Abu Dhabi, didn't it, last yes. year with a, 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 yeah. a Mercedes on the wrong tyre being beaten by Max. But I think in this scenario, they thought, well, at least we're in front of the guy. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting that George now has that sway in the team to, to change mm. a call. Because, you, you know, you, you often hear the drivers ask something and, and they'll come back and say, no, we're, we're doing this. Yes. So it was interesting in that moment that they kind of seeded that to him and mm-hmm. didn't even relay it to Lewis. Maybe again, that was because of the timing of how late that call was. Mm-hmm. But Lewis did say, didn't he? He he said when he saw the softs, he went past the pit box mm-hmm. and he saw them all stood there with soft tires. Mm-hmm. And he he was like, but they're clearly not for me because I'm driving yeah, past yeah. the I'm driving past the pits yeah. at this point. And he said he realised then he was like, ah, okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna. And he you know he asked and they said, yeah, you know, obviously Matt, they knew Max had stopped as well. So um, yeah, I think. It's difficult. I keep going over this in my head and I keep mm. making different decisions of what I would have done. And yeah. This is why I'm not a F1 strategist, <laughs> ultimately. <laughs> it is. It's a really difficult call. They did at least try for victory with one car and I think yeah. that, that's sort of what counts. And, yeah. and and I think, I always think that having an aggressive strategy that mm. fails is better than having a defensive strategy that's successful, if you know mm. what I mean. Yeah, well, if you, if yeah. you go for If you go for a very moderate strategy, conservative strategy that just consolidates your points unless you're going for a championship you know well if, that's the difference isn't it exactly yeah. and that's like 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 you alluded to there so um if this had been a championship that you know a very tight one mm. i think we'd have looked at it as like what a disaster because yes. they've dropped all those points to max but like mm. you said they don't care about i mean they obviously care about the constructors finish but that ferrari are making it very easy for them to, to, yeah. to catch second anyway so um yeah that would have been a lot different last year you know in that same situation if that race was last year yes that whole thing plays out very differently i think yeah exactly which is why that interesting specter of abu dhabi was sort of hanging around but maybe not exactly like a straight shot straight parallel because circumstances were very different and yes hamilton's restart you touched on there imperfect it sounded like he was in the right mode too late Switched yeah. into race mode a little bit too late. Well, he so. said he said he had it on in time, but he said he was yeah. in the wrong mode just before that yes. that final corner. So 
you wonder, you know, how how much of an effect that had yeah. you know, further down. So and also whether whether or not he could have managed it better by waiting right till the last minute. But then slipstream is not really so big in this track. It's just that the the restart didn't seem that great. So that's the way it ended in the end. Max Verstappen won. Yeah, and that's also just quickly is where that's where the fascinating thing with the, the two Mercedes out in front versus yes. one mm. is because Lewis can get a bit of a mm. a scamper away. And George can almost sacrifice himself a little bit yeah. by having a bad get, like you know, not mm. following Lewis super, super close. Yes, and then that obviously in turn then holds Max up a bit. Yeah, it could have been tactics at play there, but uh, in the end, it was Verstappen ahead of Russell. Charles Leclerc got on the podium in the end. Imagine yeah. that Ferrari on the podium. Lewis Hamilton fourth, Sergio Perez fifth. I want to touch on the midfield briefly because Fernando Alonso had another best race of his career, yeah. uh, up to what's that fifth? Because Carlos Sainz was demoted from that position for all those penalties, of course. Yeah. Uh, this is great. This is up from 13th for Fernando. A great undercut with the first stop, ran long on the mediums, then stopped again behind the virtual safety car. Alpine is an interesting case. This battle with McLaren is also quite interesting. Again, they outscored McLaren despite Lando Norris scoring pretty good points and also qualifying pretty well as well, qualifying both Alpine drivers. Now, Esteban Ocon also did quite well, scored points. And for me, he's always been a little bit underrated this year. I think he's been doing pretty well, but... There's still no question that Alonso is sort of that, that figurehead of the team. Ironic though it may be because he's on his way out. And I yeah. can't help but wonder, well, Aston Martin is not in this battle, so maybe it won't affect Alonso so much, but how the the sort of the moves that are happening and particularly the driver market and particularly the way Alonso makes his moves, which are relatively incendiary, may start to, to come to bear in this late part of the season. Yeah, potentially. I, I, I think Alonso actually is driving as well as we've seen mm. since he, you know, since this kind of latter stage of his career. Um, interesting one because it's going to be a big role for Gasly or whoever mm. takes that role to step into, and Ocon's going to have to take a step up to be mm-hmm. team leader. Um, Which but yeah, could be fiery between those two guys. It really well. could be. It really could be. So right now, Alpine are in a great position. I think. Yeah, I think they're in a fascinating position because you know, obviously, we spent the whole week talking about how they'd lost two drivers mm-hmm. in the course of two weeks. Um, I'm. Yeah, I'm fascinated because if you look at the Aston Martin right now, it's a pretty underwhelming mm-hmm. car all round, but you're putting in a guy who is driving this well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how much of an impact is that going to have? Um, I think Alpine, as the season is draws to a close, I think they're going to look at it and be like, man, we really messed up this situation. <laughs> because yes. ob- because one of the things with, just to touch on Piastri quickly, like they obviously mismanaged that situation, mm-hmm. but if it was any other driver but Fernando Alonso, maybe Lewis or Max yes. in that car, I think it's an easy decision for them. They're like, well, of course we give the role to Piastri. Yeah. But they clearly know, like, okay, Alonso is such a special talent. Mm. How can we get rid of him mm. when, he'll, when we know he's good enough to stay in F1, yes. deliver these kind of results every single week? We joke mm. about it because he does say every week, like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm God, you know, I'm the, yeah. be- I'm the greatest <laughs> driver of all time. But he, he backs it up with these performances. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating situation. And again, sadly, it was like 2v1, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, uh, Alpine v McLaren. Mm. Um, I'm sure you know we may be touching him in a bit later, but Danny Rick, I don't know. You know, he was just he just didn't seem happy mm. at all this this weekend with the car. Um, and that ultimately Alpine are winning that fight. I think it, mm. it would take something pretty special for McLaren to overhaul that now. Yeah, well, that gap has grown a little bit more. Twenty two points, I think it is in the battle for fourth with seven rounds remaining. I think it which is can turn around remaining. pretty quick, but it, with one big result. Yeah. But, but it's interesting because it feels like every track we're rocking up to, and this was another evidence of it because I know Otmar Savnauer in um, Belgium was sort of saying, well, we did really well there because it was always going to be a track that suited the car. Mm. This is a very different kind of track as we've talked about with Mercedes, Red Bull and, and Ferrari. And again, they were the better midfield team. Now, not by miles because Norris was right behind Alonso and, and right ahead of, of Ocon. But 
it just feels like Alpine's not having any bad races. And unfortunately, McLaren is having bad races. And even when they're having good races, they are unfortunately dealing with Daniel Ricciardo. It just seems kind of out of sorts at the moment. It's not even sort of lackluster Daniel Ricciardo of the start of the year or at some points last year. It just seems like certainly the last two weekends, and we've sort of both seen him now, just doesn't really seem, I don't want to say not switched on because it's not really the right thing to say, but just seems like he's a little bit, um, he's just really feeling the, the events of the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think so. And look, he's put a really brave face on it. I've actually been pretty impressed with how he's dealt with it, you know, externally, which has been a pretty uncomfortable situation. Yes. And he's, you know, without, I can't think of a better term, but he's kind of, you know, manned up through it all and just mm-hmm. kind of, and just dealt with it. You know, he, he could have retreated away, he could have refused to do media, but he's mm-hmm. he's answered every question. You know, he's not been weird about it. But um, I asked him this yesterday, you know, has, they always say putting that visor down, getting in the car, mm-hmm. shuts everything out. But, you know, I think, and he alluded to it. He said, I'm not superhuman. It would be naive of me to think that somehow this hasn't had an effect on me, you know, mm-hmm. deep in my psyche. And I think that that's just got to be true. Even if, even if, and he might think I'm dealing with this fine. People around him, mm-hmm. you know, say he's doing great. And I think that outwardly he gives that, he gives mm-hmm. that perception, but he, he wouldn't be human if it wasn't affecting him in some way. And he just looks a bit, you know, his body language was just a bit, he looked a bit deflated and mm-hmm. a bit low of energy, which is unlike him. So I think it's taken, obviously he was struggling with the car and, I think when drivers struggle with a car as he's been, you it, it becomes it's a spiral, isn't it? Because they don't mm. understand why they're struggling, and then they try something new and they're still struggling, mm-hmm. and they don't understand why that change, and they still don't understand the first thing. So your your things are getting worse, your confidence is getting shot. So I think it's it's rough for him, um, and I think it was always going to be the case for McLaren that making that decision when they did, making the announcement when they did, mm. you know, it could be that Daniel's just in this position for the rest of the season. Hopefully he's not, you know, mm. um, but. Given these last two races, he's looked so out of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, he was just, he, you know, it wasn't even like there was one moment in the race. I think he, he qualified fairly poorly in the race. He just mm-hmm. really wasn't able to do anything. So yeah, massive shame. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was really interesting. I was talking to Alex Jung, the former Formula One driver, a couple of weeks ago. And he said often, I don't know if he was necessarily talking about his own experience or just other drivers he knew. You'll go through periods like this and say, you know, not only are you 100% committed, which they all are, but you have 100% focus. And he sort of said it wasn't until he left Formula 1 that he realized in retrospect that the focus wasn't there yeah, for reasons right. he was telling himself that they would, would still be there. And I, I can't help but wonder whether once this season's over for Daniel, and maybe even it won't take until his career's over for whenever that's going to be, that he'll look back on these last few races and realize, as he sort of alluded to, he announced to your question on Sunday night, that actually there was just too much weight on his mind to be performing at this point in time, which would not be surprising considering the events of the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it would be completely natural and, and understandable that that is the case. So, yeah, I think um, that's a really good point because um, I think a lot of the time we – and, and, and you don't have to be a driver for this. Yeah. You convince yourself things are fine. Mm-hmm. You've done something enough. You're like, no, this is fine. This is what I do. Yes. And then in the cold light of day, you know, when you're away from that situation, like, oh, actually, yeah, that wasn't the best thing for me to be doing before that. So, yeah, yeah I think there's something to that. I want to touch on one more driver who's also part of this driver market and who needed some good performances. It's Mick Schumacher. Mm-hmm. And a great qualifying yeah, really uh, great. up in eighth. Then just two slow pit stops in particular sort of undid this race. The Haas car also doesn't seem like it's... Well, it's also a very unpredictable car, isn't it? Sometimes they're rocking up and they're right in the midfield. This yeah. seemed like a race where they're a little bit... Didn't have the pace to sort of automatically be in the top 10 by the end of the race and those pit stops sort of hurt him. 
he's in a difficult situation now or, or a tricky situation where it doesn't seem like he's counted out of that seat yet, but it does feel like momentum's against him. Yep. But races like this must be very difficult to accept when it seems like he was on for a great weekend to kind of just reinforce that a little bit. And if not, maybe get a seat elsewhere, if not at Haas, and yeah, just massive. ends up mired at the back again. Massively. And I think that that's why qualifying performances like that are going to be mm. really key because obviously we judge race results, but the team are going to look at it and say, right, the race went away from you for X, mm. Y, Z, but qualifying, you know, you were great, yeah. you know, top top 10. Um, and it is interesting because we've all kind of assumed, all right, Schumacher's out. Mm. But Haas, I think, have played their hand pretty smartly here. They haven't at any point said, obviously, Schumacher's mm. not going to stay. You have kept, they've, said, they've, they've made it very clear, like, you know, mm. we're not sure if we'll keep him next year, but yeah. it's still a chance he can, he can change our minds on that. Obviously, they're keeping themselves open while Ricardo's there, while there's that uncertainty about what's mm. happening with Alpine. Um, so, yeah, I think it's weird, isn't it? Because the car, the Haas car, since they updated it before the summer break, mm. it was in a really good spot. It was it was always yeah. kind of occasionally would punch above its weight mm. in the midfield. And for whatever reason, that update just, it hasn't, and now it's on both cars, obviously, since yeah. we've come out of the summer break. And it does seem to be a bit un, un, unpredictable, erratic. Kevin Magnus had a pretty, you know, uncharacteristically, yeah. it was kind of all over the place a little bit. So, um, very strange weekend. And it shows you why, when you're, you know, a young driver, making the most of a good car when you have it is so important. Because mm. now Mick's feeling like he's coming to form and the yeah. car's dropped away. Start of the year, the car was there, he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So it shows you, you you know, you sometimes that window for having a competitive car can be so small, you've got to make it work. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to regret that come the end of the season because, I don't know, I think, I think it, my personal opinion, and this is just based on, you know, looking in from the outside, I haven't heard mm-hmm. this from anyone in the team, but I think it's going to take something pretty special for them to keep Mick mm. because I know that he's been quite underwhelming within the team. They haven't been like, wow, this kid's incredible. Yeah, I think they've just felt, okay, he's just another young driver. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll see. I mean, Monza, it's hard to, it's hard to know with that. That's the other thing with yeah. that team at the moment. It's just hard to know where they're going to turn up. Yes. And, um, we still have those memories of what Kevin was doing with the car at the start of the year. Mm. And um, I'm not sure they're close to doing that again, obviously, but you just don't know whether they're suddenly going to learn something, understand something and mm. jump a few places up. But yeah. He's in a pretty difficult position because I didn't see Mick make any big big errors. I think no. Seb Seb made him gave him a nice easy overtake at one well, point, yeah. Um, yeah. but you can't criticize Mick for that. You know he he raced well and mm. you know he didn't put a foot wrong. So the mistakes of earlier in the year and all those crashes, mm. you know, touch wood, they seem to have gone because yes. they they were quite frequent. And actually now this weekend he didn't do anything. I'm well, maybe I've forgotten a big one he's done recently, <laughs> but but I can't remember one off the top no, of my head. So so at least he's he's got that out of his system yes. at least. Now we just see how he goes to the end of the year. That was the Dutch Grand Prix. Surprisingly good Dutch Grand Prix, I suppose. Mm. The question is now whether that momentum can be, can be continued into Monza. Probably Max's can. Whether the entertainment's <laughs> momentum can is another question. Nate, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, mate. Thanks. So close, but so far. Victory was in touching distance for Mercedes right up until it wasn't. And it's hard to predict when the team might get another golden chance to take its first win of the season. But the team's had the measure of Ferrari in the last three rounds at least, which will give it hope, though stopping the Verstappen juggernaut is another matter altogether. Thanks very much to Nate for joining me. The Strategy Report is powered by LeaveCal. Keep track of employee leave and make resource planning easy. Search LeaveCal in the Zero App Store. You can subscribe to The Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts and don't forget to leave us a rating and a review to help spread the word. You can also find us on social media. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast. 
special thanks to Ben Loke from Loke Designs for the show artwork, and our theme music is by Simon Hosford. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll be back next week to debrief the Italian Grand Prix.